So notice in verse 8 as we go on here that Hezekiah subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. In other words, he, he just he subdued the Philistines. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Because of Hezekiah's faithful trust in the Lord, God blessed him thoroughly. It fulfilled a long-standing promise to David and his descendants. If they obeyed God, their reign would always be secure. At this time, Assyria was mighty enough to completely conquer the northern kingdom of Israel. Yet the kingdom of Judah stood strong because God blessed the trusting and obedient king. As followers of Jesus Christ, we too can stand strong in the time of trials because Jesus will bless us as we trust and obey him. Now let's join Pastor Rob. And so notice in verse 5, so Hezekiah trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him after the kings of Judah who were, nor who were before him. And what an amazing, again, commendation, not condemnation. Again, the only one who was like him was uh, a young man by the name of Josiah about 75 years later. God gave him also a stellar commendation. Notice what it says in 2 Kings 23-25. Speaking of Josiah, God gives him the same kind of commendation. Speaking of Josiah, it says, Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor after him did anyone arise like him. So Josiah and Hezekiah are right at the top, along with David. Great men. And see, I don't know about you guys, and, and, and I, I believe you do, otherwise you wouldn't be here on a Thursday night. I want to finish well. I want to finish well. I don't want to let the world and, and the things of the world and, and silly things that we, we can all get caught up in, I don't want any of those things to snag me and keep me from being all that God wants me to be. Do you have that same heart? I don't want to. I don't want to ruin. Uh, I don't want to ruin this, this life that God has given me. I don't want to bring shame to my family. I don't want to bring shame to the name of Jesus. But it's going to be a challenge. It's a challenge for you. It's a challenge for me. But we must keep going, and keep our eyes fixed on Christ. And when we fail, we don't wallow in self pity. No, we confess it, and and return from it. Turn away from it. And if we confess it, what's the promise? that he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's really that simple. It's no different than looking at the bronze serpent. I either believe that promise, that if I confess my sins and I believe on the one who died for me, all i got to do is confess it, and he is faithful to forgive me 
and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness from that sin. That's a pretty good deal, don't you think? So verse 6, For he held fast to the Lord, Hezekiah did. He did not depart from following him, but he kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded him, commanded Moses, excuse me. Now the Lord was with him, and he prospered wherever he went. And see, that's always the desire of God, too. The, when we walk with him, and we are obedient to him, and again, it's never easy. It's always harder to do the right thing. The world does bad things because it's easy. It's the, it's the, it's the, the path of least resistance. Have you heard of that? Whenever you take the path of least resistance, you'd better be really careful that you know what you're doing, because chances are... The path of least resistance doesn't require faith. It doesn't require diligence. It doesn't require any discipline whatsoever. It doesn't require walking circumspectly. It's just waking up and falling out of bed and just doing whatever you want. But the Lord was with him because he was with God. And notice what God did. He prospered him. Wherever he went, God wants to prosper you, not to give you more money. I mean, it may, it may include that. You may be financially blessed, but you know what he wants to give you more than the money? He wants to give you a soul, a life that's worth living. He wants to give you a life that is, has no regrets. He wants to, uh, you to live a life where you've surrendered it to him and you've experienced the blessing. See, so many people are afraid of surrendering to God. Because they think that God's going to do something with them that he doesn't like, that they don't like. And you know what? That couldn't be further from the truth. If you think that God is going to do that, then start praying and say, Lord, I want you to have all of me and do whatever my life with you want. And I can tell you that if you really mean that, it's his job to change your heart. And then pretty soon, you're no longer going to be dragged along like a dog who doesn't want to go for a walk and the dog's doing this and the owner's trying to, you know, you know, and they're dragging the dog, it's not going to be like that. You're going to be like walking right next to him going, Lord, what's next? What's next? And I am having such a ball. I am. Me personally, I've never had so much joy and fun in my life. And I get to do this. And I get to talk and pray with people. Pinch me. (laughs) Honestly, I'm not the perfect pastor by any means, but I, I strive to be a good pastor. I strive to be a good husband and a good, um, a good father for my daughter. But where, wherever he went, God prospered him. And he rebelled. Hezekiah rebelled against the king of Assyria, and, and he did not serve him. Now, that's not a bad thing, because this king, so uh, all the, a couple kings before him, they became vassals to Assyria. So in other words, as long as Judah kept paying Shalmaneser money every, you know, every, every month, send the check, you know, have the direct debit out of his checking account, as long as that was going well, everybody was happy. Oh, but don't you miss a payment. Going to shut off your electricity. Have you had that happen? Yes, there's a certain company we, you know, we've been, never mind. Three days late on your bill and they're already calling you. We're going to shut off your lights. I mean, really? For 20, how how many years have we been paying that on time and now? Where's the love? Where's the family, you know? uh, Where's the family feeling about this whole thing? It's more like uh, whatever. Anyway, so the Lord was with him. So prior to this, Shalmaneser of Assyria forced even Hosea, Hosea, excuse me, 
the, the king of Israel, the last king of Israel, he caused him to pay tribute to him. It, you can write this in the margin off of verse 7, but it's 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 3 and 4. And let me just read this to you. Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, he came up against him, speaking of Hosea, and Hosea became his vassal, and he paid him tribute money. It's sort of like, you know, friendship money. If you want me to protect you and stay out and not bully you, then, you know, give me your lunch money, kid. And the king of Assyria uncovered a conspiracy by Hosea, for he had sent messengers to So, who was, how'd you like to have a name like So? Hey, So, so what? So, so what? So, so what? That was his name, So, king of Egypt. And he brought no tribute to the king of Assyria, and he, as he had done year by year, therefore the king of Assyria shut him up, put him in prison and bound him up because he wasn't paying up. And so notice in verse 8 as we go on here that Hezekiah subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. In other words, he, he, just, he subdued the Philistines. Now I'd like for you to turn with me to 1 Chronicles. We're going to read literally through two chapters tonight. And I want to do that for a reason. It's, it's going to be a little tedious, but I think if we read through it, you'll understand why. As we take a pause, First uh, Chronicles chapter 29, we're going to start there. And we're just going to read chapters 29 and 30. And I'm, the reason I'm doing that is because up to this point, every single king has been pretty much a disappointment. All the kings in the northern tribes, disappointments. Most of them in the southern two tribes, disappointments. Now we've got a breath of fresh air. And Israel and Judah, Jerusalem, they are longing whether they know it or not, they're missing out on so much. And finally, someone comes along and says, hey, let's go back to the beginning again. Let's start over. Let's erase the chalkboard and start again. And this is exactly what happens. Notice in Second Chronicles 29, we're going to read through uh, these two chapters. Because he revamps their worship, which hadn't been happening for a long time. He revamps the priesthood. He revamps everything. And God is very well pleased with him. Notice in Second Chronicles 29 that Hezekiah, verse 1, became king when he was 25 years old. He reigned 29 years. And I'm just going to go over some verses that we're, we're already, we've already talked about. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, notice what he did. In the first month, the very first month and, uh, of his reign, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He repaired them. And then he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square. And he said to them, hear me, Levites. Now sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. From our father, for our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him. They've turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him. They have also shut up the doors of the vestibule. They've put out the lamps, the menorah, and they've put and they not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. So basically, the whole idea of worship was null and void. The lamps were out. Everything was cold. There's spider webs in the corners and all this junk from all these false gods that are filling up the areas that it ought not to have been. And therefore, the wrath of God fell upon Judah and Jerusalem. See, he knows Hezekiah. He knows why God has judged the northern ten tribes. And he says, we are ripe for judgment. 
We've had judgment already, but it's coming. Can you smell it in the wind? It's on the horizon. I can hear the foot, the hoof prints of those horses coming for us. If we don't turn, therefore, verse 8, the wrath of God fell upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he has given them over to trouble, to desolation, and to jeering, as you see with your own eyes. For indeed, because of this, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons, our daughters, and our wives are in captivity. Now, what captivity is he spoken of? Because he's in Judah. They haven't gone in captivity yet. Well, do you remember Ahaz, his father? There was a time in Second uh, Chronicles 28, uh, don't go there, but he, the, the king of reason, the king of Syria, not Assyria, but Syria. There's two nations, Syria and Assyria, okay? And one is north, just a little bit north and uh, east of, of, like if you're looking at a map of Israel, Here's the Jordan Valley and the Dead Sea and the the Sea of Galilee. Syria is over here, but Assyria is way over here, okay? Two different nations, two different kings. Ahaz came under judgment, and God brought the uh, reason, who was the name of the king of Syria, to come, and he destroyed a lot of the people, took them captive. So there were some captives taken from Jerusalem, even though they hadn't fallen under the captivity like the northern ten tribes did. And that happened uh, earlier in Ahaz's ministry. But let's go back to uh, verse 10, uh, starting in verse 10 now in 2 Chronicles 29. Notice what it says. Notice what Hezekiah says. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and to serve them, serve him, and that you should minister him and burn incense. And so throughout the chapter, uh, verses 12 through 14, he names these Levites by name that are going to rise up. But notice in verse 15 that they gathered their brethren. They sanctified themselves, which hadn't been done for a very long time. And they went according to the commandment of the king at the words of the Lord. Notice, to cleanse the house of the Lord, which became a mess. It was filthy, filled with every detestable thing. And then now go down to verse 18. It says, Now, then they went to the king Hezekiah and says, We've cleansed all the house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offerings with all of its articles, the table of the showbread with all of its articles. Moreover, all the articles which King Ahaz uh, in his reign had cast aside in his transgression, we have prepared and sanctified those. And there they are before the altar of the Lord. Now notice what happens. Now Hezekiah restores the worship. And notice this worship service. I bring this up because this is a watershed moment for Israel, for for Judah specifically. So King Ahaz, he rose early. He gathered the rulers of the city, went up to the house of the Lord. They brought seven bulls and seven rams, seven lambs and seven male goats for a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, and for Judah. And then he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. And so they killed the bulls. And the priests received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Likewise, they killed the rams and sprinkled the blood on the altar. They also killed the lambs and sprinkled the blood on the altar. What are you talking about? Is this a worship service or is this a a meatpacking plant? Well, the Bible says that, that without sacrifice, there's no worship. See, the Jews, remember, they sacrificed animals instead of themselves. Because God says, the soul that sins shall surely die. So God allowed a, a, uh, 
a substitute in my place. Because of my sin, I deserve to die because God is holy. But he says, you know what? Then take the first, a lamb of the first year without blemish, the very best for me, God says. And you sacrifice that in place of you, and I will accept it. Because blood was shed. The blood of an innocent was shed for the blood of the lawless. Jesus, the blood of the only innocent, was shed for the blood of all of us lawless. Isn't that good news? I love that. So, then they brought out the male goats for the sin offering before the king and the assembly, and they laid their hands on them. And the priests killed them, and they presented their blood on the altar as a sin offering to make an atonement, there it is, an atonement for all Israel. And the, for the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering be made for all of Israel. And he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with symbols. Notice, so now the music breaks out. Now that they've done the, the, the bloody uh, sacrifice, which is the real worship, now they're worshiping with song. So worship is not just singing with our voices. Worship requires sacrifice. Sometimes it's helping somebody else out when you don't feel like it. Sometimes, guys, it's washing the dishes instead of your wife. She does it every single night, but will you pick up a dish and rinse it and put it in the dishwasher? Sometimes it means taking your socks and your underwear off the floor and putting them in the laundry bin and even taking it downstairs for her so she doesn't have to carry this big wad of stuff. Sometimes it means taking the groceries out of the car and bringing them in. Just to name a few things, and I know each of you are getting, ooh, that hurt, ooh, that hurt, stop it, get him. Because I've had the same thing. (laughs) So, they stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with stringed instruments, with harps, according to the commandment of David, of Gad, the the king's seer, and of Nathan the prophet. For thus... Uh, was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. And the Levites, stood, the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests and the trumpets. And then Hezekiah commanded them to offer the burnt offering on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also began with the trumpets and with the instruments of David, king of Israel. And so all the assembly, all the people worshipped, the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded. And all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had finished offering, the king and all who were present, Present with him, they bowed and they worshipped. And moreover, King Hezekiah and the leaders commanded the Levites to sing praise to the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. In other words, the Psalms. They sang the Psalms, and so they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads and they worshipped. And then Hezekiah answered and said, Now that you have consecrated yourselves to the Lord, come near. And bring sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord. And so the assembly brought in sacrifices and thank offerings. And as many as were of a willing heart brought burnt offerings. The number of the burnt offerings which the assembly brought was 70 bulls, 100 rams, 200 lambs. And these were for the burnt offering to the Lord. And then the consecrated things were 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep. But the priests were too few. So that they could not skin all the burnt offerings. Therefore, the brethren, their brethren helped them until the work was ended and until the other priests had sanctified themselves. For the Levites were more diligent in sanctifying themselves than the priests. And also the burnt offerings were in abundance with the fat of the peace offerings and with the drink offerings for every burnt offering. So the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. Notice that. It was set in order for the first time in hundreds of years. (laughs) 
Now they're actually doing this the right way. And God's going, oh, I'm so blessed. You're doing what I told you to do. You're worshiping me the way I told you to worship me. You didn't make things up. You didn't do what felt good to you. No, you just, you followed what I told you. This is, I am God, he says, and this is how I want to be worshiped. Don't deviate from it. Don't add food coloring. Don't add sparkles to the incense, you know, the pop rocks. Don't add that stuff. Just do what I tell you to do. Just be obedient. Stay in your lane. And boy, we hate that. Staying in our own lane. I want to go to that lane. I want to go over to that pasture. It looks so nice over there. Oh, but it's nice here too, but it, it must be nicer over there. It's got to be nicer. <laughs> that sheep is smiling and I'm just here. And... Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people since the events took place so suddenly. I love this. There was a spontaneity about it that they weren't even quite ready, and God was in it. God was in it. (laughs) And check this out. Go on to verse 30. And so Hezekiah, he does this Passover, which they haven't done in so long. And the Bible spends a lot of time talking about this. That's why I'm reading it to you verbatim tonight, because this was... Something they hadn't done in a long time. Sometimes it's really good to just go back to the old paths. See, they'd gotten off and they started doing their new thing. And the church in America is off doing its new thing, whatever it is. This wind of thing of doctrine is going through the church and whatever it is. You know, but stay in our lane and stay on the old path. There's safety and there's comfort. Oh, but they're, you know, they're worshiping with all the lights and all the electric guitars and the guy sliding across on his knees doing a guitar solo. It's amazing. And you're like, is that really worship? Do you know how many churches in America, I mean, not that we have to do this because the Lamb of God was slain once and for all, but can you imagine how quickly this church or any other church would empty out if we had an altar and we took a little cute little lamb, little puffy white ears, and we sacrifice that lamb on the altar. We don't have to do that today, but you've got to think that's what they did. The blood of a lamb. The blood of the lamb. It was all symbolic. God was preparing them for that day. But to do that, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, the Bible says. Aren't you glad that Christ died for us? But notice this Passover. This is amazing. And Hezekiah sent all Israel and Judah, and he also wrote letters. Notice, not only to Judah and the cities of Judah, but he goes even farther up into Israel. Many of them had been taken captive, but some have had escaped, some have hidden. And so there's still people in the northern part that haven't gotten carried away captive. And so he invites them, come on down, we're going to have a worship service. So Hezekiah sent, all, sent to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the pastor of the, of the Lord God of Israel. For the king and his leaders and all the assembly in Jerusalem had agreed to keep the Passover, notice, in the second month. What was the Passover supposed to be on? The first month. So why are they doing it on the second month? It was supposed to be in the first month, on the 14th day of the month, but now they're doing it in the second month. Hmm, this is interesting, isn't it? And I love this. Watch what happens. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.